You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Alrighty, church family. Man, I'm so grateful to have you as my church family. I'm so grateful to belong to Church on the Move. And also, I'm so grateful for the leadership that we have in Pastor Troy and Miss Yuli. Pastor Troy is out of town. And he decided to get the youngest and handsome guy to preach the word tonight. That's what Pastor Sean says all the time. So I need to get, say it as well, right? So welcome to Church on the Move. Uh, I don't know if you can notice, I'm going to have subtitles right there. If you don't understand me, just read the subtitles. I'm just kidding, again. Alrighty, well, if you don't, uh, go to YouTube. Hopefully, they will have subtitles right there for you. But some people have asked me, Pastor Sergio, how do you become a pastor? What happened to you? How is it that you got into ministry? Five years ago, I moved to the United States because I married my wife, and I applied for my visa, for my work visa, to be here legally. And when I went to the offices of ICE and I applied for my visa to work here and to be here legally, they gave me the wrong visa. Uh, I, I didn't apply for it. I didn't have the quality for it. And they gave me a pastor's visa. Since that day on, church family, out of fear of deportation, I've been preaching every single day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not true. But, I mean, I needed to say that joke, okay? Okay, now that we are in the move, now that we are kind of, you guys are comfortable, I'm kind of comfortable, let's go to the Word of God, okay? Have you ever heard that the Bible contradicts itself? Have you? Just raise your hand. Have you heard that the Bible contradicts itself? So many people, like, through history and even some people that they don't like us or they just want to fight with us, Christians, they say, well, how is it that you believe the Bible if the Bible contradicts itself, right? I have heard that many, many times. And that's kind of my introduction for you to get all the attention to me, okay? Let's go to the Bible to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That's going to be the foundation for this message tonight. And the title of the message is Confession of Faith. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the death, you will be safe. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who call on the name of the Lord, will be safe. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Do we have the scripture right there? Yeah. So let's see. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. Do I got you? Okay. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be safe. Please do not leave until I'm done with this message, okay? You're going to be like, man, you were not qualified to be a pastor. Now I know. <laughs> so right here, church family, let's get deep. And let me give you the answer right now because I... 
sometimes whenever you present me a problem, I need to, like, give me the answer now, because I will go crazy if I think that the Bible contradicts itself, right? Let's go to the answer. Are you guys ready, or you guys want me to wait? Let's go for the answer, right? So, do you know that there's three kinds of love in the Bible, right? Agape, uh, phileo, the love that I have with my brother, and eros, the love that I have with my spouse, the love that I have with my wife. So there's three types of love. And each of these one, even though in English is the same word, love, in Greek is different. Agape, phileo, and eros, right? Each of these words represent a different kind of love. The same happened right here with confession. There's seven types of confession in the Greek, in the New Testament, seven types. I will only talk to you about three of them. The first one is Lego, and that one's kind of easy to remember, right? It's Lego. That's just a confession that comes from your mouth. Man, I confess that this water is really good. I'm going to drink some. It's just, I'm talking, just out of talking, right? The other type of confession is homologeo. And I'm not trying to teach you that I know Greek or whatever. I'm just trying to describe you why is that these translations translate the same word for us confess or say differently in the Greek. The other one is homologeo. And that one is confess something that comes from the inside of you that will reveal in an action. I confess to my wife that I love her. And because I love her, I will do things for her. I will work for her. I will wash the dishes sometimes. <laughs> I will get out, I will pick up the trash. Or I will put my unclean clothes on the basket, right? Not around it. Because I love her, I will do those things for her. That word, homologeo, it will be a confession that describes some actions. Now that you know that Matthew 7, 21 says, not everyone who just talks out of his mouth, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. And Romans chapter 10, verse 9, talks homologeo, a confession that comes from the heart that will reveal in actions. Okay, now that you have the answer, the other one is martureo. That's where we get the word martyr, right? The ones who died for their faith, the ones who gave their life for what they believe. So now that you have the answer, church family, Let's talk about Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Are you guys okay out there? We know that the confession that we're talking in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it's a confession that comes from the heart that will be revealed for a different attitude, that, that difference in my life, right? So let's go. And let me give you an example before we enter to Romans. And there's a difference, church family, in English, Right? There's the English that we use with our friends. I don't know if you guys have friends, but I've been learning like <laughs> the slang kind of English, like, what's up, my friend, or what's up? Whatever you say to your friends, right? It's like a slang English. It's so different to read a message between your friends, like they just put like, JK, what's that? Just kidding, or whatever, right? Like there's a difference between reading that message and reading the Constitution of the United States. Have you read the Constitution? Man, it's a good book. Please read it. <laughs> Pastor said uh, on Sunday, the third service, that uh, I'm going to go and go through my process to be a citizen. And that's going to happen pretty soon. In a couple of days, I will go 
and I will be a citizen of the United States. We'll talk a little bit about more in a little bit about that. Why I'm saying this? Because between the Greek in Romans and the Greek in the New Testament, there's also a difference. The Greek in the book of Romans, it's kind of has the idea as the constitution of the United States. It's something more judicial. It's something more like in a courtroom. So as we enter the book of Romans, I need you to do something with me. Please just close your eyes where you at. Close your eyes and think with me. You guys know that I like to think and just put, me, put myself in the Bible and kind of figure it out. For the book of Romans, we need to think that we are in a courtroom. We are in front of a judge, and this judge is God, the Father, the one who will call us accountable for everything that we do. By your side, we have Jesus, the defender. We have the one who will plead our case. That's our lawyer. On the other table, like next to us, we have the accuser, the one who wants to bring us down. Behind us, we have all the people of faith that have been going through the Bible, Moses, Abraham, and all the people that you admire, David, Solomon, all those people that did great things for the faith are behind us. On the right side, we have our friends, family, co-workers, and people who know who we are. Now, open your eyes. This is where we are as we read Romans. We are facing the judgment of God. Paul is writing through the Holy Spirit saying us, saying to the church, you are a sinner who are far away from God. But Jesus came to earth and he will plead your case. And all the words that Paul is going to use in this book, church family, they're big words. They're like, man, a lot of theologians, a lot of people of faith, they've been studying this book and they have brought Books and books about the book of Romans. So whenever we have, uh, like I'm going to put you another example, right? Because we need to put it everything kind of for us right here on earth. So whenever my wife is washing the dishes, we are really put that in clear that she's the one who washes the dishes. <laughs> and I'm eating and I have like my plate on my cup and I go sneaking behind her and I put that right there for her to watch that. <laughs> the fight that we have or the argument that we have will not go like, oh, excuse me, sir. That is inadmissible. I'm gonna present to you a deposition and I will need from you to bring you impeachment or the felony that you should commit. We're gonna have an appeal before, before the judge and you better bring an amicus curiae with you affidavit, and you might have to pay some bail to freedom from these assets, <laughs> right? No, 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 the conversation, the fight will not go like that. It will go like, ven para acá, <laughs> right? No. So all these words that I just mentioned, they're words that we use in the courthouse. They're words that the judge, the lawyer, and the people use in the courthouse. So that's kind of the big words that we have in the book of Romans, church family. Uh, some people said that Paul had somebody else helping him write this book. In Romans chapter 16, verse 2, you will find that out, that it wasn't him who wrote it. It was somebody else who helped him because the level of knowledge that Paul has, it wasn't that big to write the book 
of Romans. But let's jump in then. Remember that I told you that uh, we have three types of love, and each and every one of them represents something different. The unconditional love, the agape love, the phileo love, the love that we have between brothers, and the eros love, the love that we have with our spouse. It's the same what happened here with confess, right? But let me give you a small nugget right here. Do you guys remember when Jesus and Peter have a conversation and Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Do you guys remember that? Well, if you, if you don't, go to John chapter 21, verse 15 and 17. Don't do it right now, just do it later. Write that down. In John chapter 21, we have a conversation with Jesus and Peter. And Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? What we don't see in the big picture, church family, is that Jesus, the first two times that asked Peter, do you love me, is do you agapao, do you agape me? Do you have the unconditional love for me, Peter? And what we also don't see, because we only have one word for love, and for agape, eros, and phileo, is that Peter doesn't answer, I do love you with agape. Peter answered, I do phileo you. I love you as my brother. And again, Jesus asked him, Peter, do you agape? Do you love me unconditional? And Peter asked, answer again, no, I only love you as my brother. I only phileo you. I don't agapao you. And the third time that Jesus asked Peter, church family, it's not do you agapao me, agapao me. Like, do you love me unconditional? The third question that Jesus asked, asked Peter is, do you phileo me? It was like, really, Peter? Do you only love me like a brother? And we don't see that because we don't have the right translation because we only have one word in English for the three types of love. It's the same. Let me give you another example really fast. Where are all my Spanish speakers? Woo, woo, woo. Okay, mi gente, ¿qué pasó? Estaban escondidos. You were hiding if you didn't understand. That was what I said. <laughs> How do you translate sky? Cielo, right? How do you translate heaven? Cielo. So in English, we have two words, sky and heaven. They're two different places. But in Spanish, we only have one word, cielo. If I said he went to heaven or look at the sky, the word will be the same, cielo. Se fue al cielo o mira al cielo. So from there, the same thing happened with confess, right? We really leave that in clear. But let me give you the uh, definition of confess about Romans 10, 9. Speak to a conclusion, is to agree, not to refuse or deny. In a court legal contract, it's to promise, it's to declare openly, speak out freely, it's a public acknowledgement. And if you need, uh, if you're taking notes, you can go to the notes of the uh, church app and we'll have all these definitions right there. In a legal context, if someone agrees with the statement of another. So in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the definition of confession will be an agreement with what God holds to be true and what he declares to be true. It denotes a public declaration or asset to that to that here expressed by your words. Let me give you another example. I really told you pretty soon I'm gonna be a US citizen. 
And that's kind of, I don't know how I feel excited, like, okay, praise God. My goal is to be a citizen of heaven. So I've been always having that idea since I was a little kid. I never grew up wanting to be an American citizen, but I'm proud to be one. So I'm so happy that I will be one. And, but before I do that, before I can say I'm an American citizen, I need to do some things. The first one is I need to take a test. I really did. I passed it. And it, I needed to know all the history of the United States. I needed to know the presidents, the constitution, the amendments, and all those kind of things. And the other thing that I'm going to do pretty soon, I need to go and do the Pledge of Allegiance. Do you guys remember that whenever you guys were at the school? Well, let's try it. I pledge allegiance to the United States of America. You guys did great. So I would do that. I will go and I will raise my hand. I will be in front of a judge. I will be in front of some witnesses and some of my friends and family to do that. Also, the other thing that I need to do is I need to go and promise to follow and obey all the laws of the United States of America. Also, what I needed to do is learn the language. So five years ago, I couldn't speak any English. Praise God. God is working in me. It's still working. I'm a working process. So I learned a new language. I need to make a public statement that I will follow and I will be loyal to the United States. And also I will follow and obey all the laws of the United States. So with that in mind, there are some people, church family, that they go through all that process. They go and do the declaration. They go and do uh, the pledge to allegiance. They promise to follow and obey the laws, but they're not true Americans, right? We know that. There's people that are they're trying to destroy the country. There's, there's people that they don't honor the Constitution. There's people that they don't love the country that God allows for, for us to have. So there's people that they go through the process, and they go and raise their hand, and I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and they do the whole thing, but they're not real Americans. They don't own... An AR, that's the first thing that I did. I'm a real, true American. Just playing with you. The thing is, it's the same with the Bible. There's people that are, they're saying, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I confess Christ. But the Bible right here in the word confession, it's are you in agreement with what God holds to be true and what he declares to be true, do you hold that agreement with God? Because you're not able to be a Christian without that. If God says that sets out of marriage is sin, are you in the will of God? Are you submitted to him? And that takes us to the next word that we have. Lord. If we can have uh, Romans 10, 9 right here on the screen, it will be great. That way we can keep going. The Bible says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord. Now, we notice that openly declare or call on the name, of the, Je- the name of the Lord Jesus, it's not just confess with my mouth, right? It's not just to say, okay, Jesus is my Lord out of my mouth. It's something that needs to be inside of you, and inside of you needs to come out. The same way that I say, 
I love to my wife, I'm confessing not out of my mouth, but out of my actions that I love her, that I will die for her, that I will do everything for her. It's the same with God. When I confess him as my Lord, I'm confessing something that is inside of me that will come out of me. So the next word, word that we are noticing right here, it's Lord. The first church, the church of Christ, when he died and he went to heaven and he established his church, faced one problem with another Lord. The church was being persecuted by Caesar. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? They were being killed because they have only one say. Jesus is Lord. That's it. So you're saying that Caesar is not Lord. Well, we're going to kill you because you're, you're not recognizing the Lord that we have in this time, the Lord that we have in this land. So church family, there's a really good book, uh, the book of the martyrs, the guys and the friends, the, all the all, all church family who passed away before us, who died because of Christ. And they confess Christ with their lives. They confess lives, their lives dying for what they think and they believe it was true. And there's one in this book, the Book of the Martyrs, there's one uh, section that in uh, one time, these two guys, uh, they were confessing that they were Christians and they were rich, they have some money. And the Caesar at that time knew that these guys were Christians and they called them and Caesar told them, and they were married to some ladies. Caesar told them, well, you, you can survive. I will let you go. The only thing that you need to do is say that Jesus is not Lord and that Caesar is the Lord. That's all you need to do. It sounds easy, right? Man, my life is on the line. And that's just me saying that Caesar is Lord and Jesus is not. I will do it. Like, if I can save my life, why not? And they did. These two guys saved their life. But they pronounced as Jesus, as Lord. Their wives didn't, and they died. Man, show me, show, show us how brave we need to do to face other lords. And I'm thinking today, man, who is the Lord that we're facing today in the American church? Who is the other lords that are raising or rising up against the church who are saying, confess me as your Lord, every one of you guys will have a different one. You will have to deny one Lord in your life. It can be social media, family, friends, even your family. You all have one Lord in your life that they're trying to oppress you for you not to speak up, for you not to preach the good news of the gospel, for you to stay down. So I think the Lord that we have right now is, as a church should stay quiet. Don't say anything. Don't say anything about abortion. Don't say anything about slavery. Don't say anything about all the problems that we have in the American church. They should stay quiet, go to church, praise God in your little building. And outside, as soon as you leave the building, don't say anything against whatever are having trouble in the society. Don't say anything about kids changing their gender at the age of four, seven years. Don't say anything. Just stay quiet. And sometimes we feel fear to spoke against those lords. 
and we feel fear to be politically correct, and we feel the fear to be socially adaptable to say, you know what, we need to love everyone. That's our job as a church, but also our job as a church is confess Jesus as the Lord of our lives. And church family, if Jesus is your Lord, if you confess Jesus as the Lord of your life, you need to have evidence in your life. Let me tell you another story. When I was a kid, a teenager, a uh, long time ago, like when I was 17 years old, like two years ago, uh, I, I was in Mexico preaching, and I found out that this lady who I was preaching to, it was a prostitute. She openly declared, well, this is what I do for a living. This is what I do. And I start trying to show her the grace of God that loved her and wanted to change her. And I asked her, do you believe in Jesus Christ as, or you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord? And she told me, oh, he is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. I love him and he loves me. And I was like, okay, uh, do you go to church? Oh, no, I don't. Do you read your Bible? No, I don't have one, but he, he loves me and I love him. Do you tithe? No, I don't. Well, when do you give him time? When do you give him honor? When do you respect him and treat him as the Lord? Well, I just do whatever I want with him. And he loves me either way. And I was like, at that point, 17 years old, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I was like, well, you have a good one. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, Father, how is it that we have put your grace and the love that you have for us so low that we think that we can call you Lord and also do whatever we want. That we can call you Lord. And Lord means the owner, the master, the one who possess, the one who is in control of one person. Jesus, through Paul, through the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to confess Jesus as Lord. But if we go back again, and that confession is not only from your mouth, it's from your actions, it's how you live, it's how you prove that you are a really person who has Jesus as Lord, it needs to be proved by action. And the last word that I have is belief. If you openly declare that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be safe. And sometimes we have lowered the standard of belief, have faith. We have lowered that standard to say, well, if I believe, and we have reduced that to a belief to mere intellectual acid. Okay, I think and I believe in my mind, only in my mind, that God is real. I believe and I recognize that God is real and he exists. I believe in him. And we have lowered the standard to say, okay, if I say that I believe in my mind that Jesus, that Christ is real, then I will be safe. But that's not the real thing. If you go and read Hebrews chapter 11, and you read all the heroes of faith, all the people that have faith in God, church family, their faith, their faith was never an asset or a belief that they only had in their mind. Their faith moved them to do something. We start with Abraham because he had faith. He went out of his city. He went outside and he decided to honor God because he had faith. He waited for 25 years to have his son. And even when he had his son, God told him, give me your son. And he had faith through the whole process. If we see the father of faith, we call Abraham the father of faith, right? 
But if we see him, it's not like, okay, Abraham believed in God in, their, in his mind and that's it. No, because he had faith in God. He left his parents. He moved to a land that he didn't know where to go. He waited 25 years, 24 and a half, to wait to have his son. And when he had it, God told him, give it to me. And he was, okay, God, well, I better go in the morning because if my wife finds out, I'll be, I'll be your sacrifice and not, not my son. <laughs> so from there, church family, if we go and read Hebrews 11, you will see that the faith that all these people had through the Old Testament and New Testament, it was never a faith only as an intellectual asset to believe that God is real. It was something that moved them to action. It was something that they say, you know what? I don't only believe that God is good. I know and I will listen to him. I will not do whatever I want. I will listen to him because he is my Lord and I believe that he has a better plan for me. Can you imagine all the people that was killed because they confessed Jesus as Lord and they believe that after death they will receive an inheritance in heaven? Can you wrap can we wrap our mind around it? Church family, I don't like to put my business out there and I don't like to fight in social media because I think like, okay, well, you're just fighting behind the screen. Like, come on, bro, let's, let's. where's my knife? I, I cannot show you that right now, but I'm like, how is it that we sometimes out of fear to be in Facebook jail, we don't say anything. We don't post anything. Can you believe that whenever... Paul was incarcerated and they told him, stop preaching the good news of Jesus. We don't want you to do that. All the apostles, church family, died because they didn't stay quiet. All of them, all of them spoke against the government, spoke against other religions, spoke against other people because they didn't believe in what they knew it was true. They didn't stay quiet. And I think today, that's one of the idols. That's one of the lords that we have over the church. It's just stay quiet. Your job is to love people. But church family, your job, it's to love as we say the truth. It's to love as we say, you know what? Because I love you so much, I don't want you to face hell. Because I love you so much, I don't want you to face God's judgment. And you don't have Jesus in your side. And with all this, church family, with all this that I'm saying right now, I would like for us to have a, uh, where is it? Who messed with my notes? <laughs> I have uh, a free translation that I did with all these three words, words that we should study. Lord, believe, and confess. So if we can put the other translation, the free translation that I sent you guys. If not, I'm going to have it somewhere right here. Okay, I found it. Let me see if it's there. If not, go to the notes of the church app and you will see this free translation that I have. My point is, this is uh, Romans 10, 9. My point is, if you, you need, sorry, my point is, you need to agree with what God holds to be true and leave that out with actions and with a declaration of your mouth without shame. That Jesus is the Lord, the one who controls and directs my life. And have faith, and have faith that takes you to action in your heart that God resurrected Christ from the death 
Only then will God remove you from hell on the judgment day and bring you to eternal life. So today, church family, as we leave this building, as we go home, as we say, you know what? Okay, what is it that we need to do? You know that it's not the race, the rising of evil that worries me in our country. It's the absence of good that really worries me as a minister. And that it's not because of evil people is rising. We know that. It's because the church is staying quiet. It's because as a church, we don't want to put our business out there. We don't want to fight. We don't want to argue with people. And also, we don't want to be mean. The be political correct correctness have introduced himself so much in the church that we have been pushed to a corner to say, you can praise God, you can love God, but we're here in your corner. Don't go outside and tell us what to do. Don't go outside and tell us that we are living in sin. Don't go outside and tell us that we need to repent. Don't go outside and tell us that we need to receive Jesus as Lord for him to direct our lives. Just stay in your little building and praise God right there. And as a church, church family, we need to be the light in darkness. We need to be the ones who rise up and say, you know what? I will not take it anymore. I will not allow the voices of kids being murdered not be spoken for them. I will be their voice. And even I will put money on there and say, you know what? I will put my time, effort to say, you know what? Those kids are alive. And as a church, we do those things. We have a pregnancy center. We have places that we help those ladies. And we say, you know what? And if you have committed an abortion, man, we're here to love you, to help you. And for you to move to the next step to say, you know what? I will help others because I've been there. So church family, we need to be the ones who spoke up. We need to be the ones who speak against these evils that we are facing. The church, Jesus said about his church, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. But sometimes it's the church who locks the door and said, we will not prevail. We will close. We will not open. We will not face. We will not go outside and preach the good news. My beliefs will change how I see things. What I believe about God is that how I will move my life into. If I believe that God is holy, I will walk in holiness. If I believe that God is creator, I know that one day I will be face to face to him and I will call accountable for him. But if I believe, church family, if we believe that Jesus came to earth looking for us, if we believe that he loved us so much that he came to earth and he was our servant, we also need to be those who go outside and go and look for our brothers. Let me give you another small nugget right now. I was going to preach this in the beginning, but God told me, do not do it. And I was like, okay, but I'm prepared. I know how to preach about this other message. Look. And he's like, well, do you want to receive, and this is the nugget inside the nugget, okay? Do you want to receive out of you effort, whatever, like, out of you, it was like God told me, if you want to preach that, go ahead and do it. But out of your effort, you will receive uh, an, a reward. But if you want to preach whatever I'm telling you to preach, out of your obedience, you will receive a reward. So that's a small nugget under the nugget that I was going to tell you. Do not do whatever you want to do. do. Do not be your own Lord. Do not direct your life pleasing you and saying, well, that doesn't please me. Well, I feel like uh, whatever, whatever. 
by your feelings, by your flesh. Do not be your own Lord. Recognize Jesus today as your Lord and you will be free. You will be indeed free and you will be in the heaven, in heaven's kingdom. So this, the small nugget that I was going to give you, it was about Luke chapter 15. Jesus started start preaching about the prodigal son. And if you go to Luke chapter 15, please do whenever you have a chance. Jesus started talking and Luke put, put us the picture right there. Luke said that as Jesus was surrounded by sinners, by people who was evil in the eyes of the church at that time, Pharisees and the, religion pe the religious people, the people who believe in God, the church was outside just looking at Jesus. And Jesus started talking about two brothers and one father. The little one grabbed his inheritance. He went to spend everything, and the big one stood home trying to listen to the father, obeying the father. What I'm trying to tell you right here is if we believe that Jesus came in earth, looking for us, looking for the little brothers. We call Jesus the big brother. In the first parable that Jesus is talking, the shepherd is looking for the sheep. The second parable, Jesus is talking about a woman who was looking for a lost coin. In the third parable, Jesus is talking about a lost son. Who was looking for the son? He didn't went nowhere. The Bible says that he stood home waiting for him God is waiting for us in heaven who came for us to save us he is our big brother right in the parable who was looking for the son that's sad no not that you got we don't I'm sorry guys you guys are funny I'm the funny one, huh? In the first parable, the shepherd is looking for the sheep. In the second parable, the woman is looking for the coin. In the third parable, nobody is looking for the son. Who was supposed to be looking for the prodigal son? The brother. Who was the story about? It wasn't about the ones who were lost. It wasn't about the ones who were far away from the kingdom. Jesus came to them. It was about the church staying in the father's house, not looking for the little brother. So church family, as a church, we have a job to do. We need to go and look for the ones who are lost. That's our job. That's the only commandment that Jesus told us to do. Go and do and make disciples. Go and look for the ones who are lost. Go and preach the good news. Go and show them the things that I have shown you. And my spirit will be with you. Sometimes we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and say, Father, fill me full. But needs, you need to have a reason to be full. And that's go outside and preach the good news. If you haven't been full yet of the Holy Spirit, maybe it's because you're not doing your job. Be a preacher of the good news to your co-workers, to the people around you. To finish and to kind of put everything right here in one section. You are in front of the judge. You have Jesus in your side. You have the accuser around you and you have your co-workers in the other side. Do you think if you confess at that time in the courthouse right here in the book of Romans, well, I am a Christian. 
I believe in Christ. Do you think what your confession says, will you have enough evidence to prove that you're a Christian? Will the people in the other side, your friends, co-workers, family, will have enough evidence to say, okay, he is a true Christian, or he is a real Christian, or he is following Jesus as the Lord. If you confess Jesus as the Lord and he tells you, you know what, you need to repent. You know what, you need to get your life together. You know what, you need to do this couple things for you to be my disciple. Are you doing that? Are you willing to say, okay, God, now what I want, now what I, now what I desire, but what you want, you be my Lord. I confess you as my Lord. If you do that in the courthouse, will you have enough evidence to prove what you're saying is true? Will you? Think about it a little bit. Is Jesus really the Lord of my life? Or I just pray a prayer and do whatever I want as soon as I leave this building. If you have, let me tell you, the Father loves you so much that he sends you, sent his son to die for you. But whenever you receive him, you need to be changed by the gospel. You need to be different. Jesus is putting two perspectives right here. People that only just pray out of their mouth to say, Lord, Lord, I receive you. Be my Lord. But as soon as they are in a place where no one's looking at them, they forget, they forget about who is the Lord of their lives and they do whatever they want. I've been there. have done that. In the book of Hebrews, we read that the ones who confess Jesus, but they later go on do whatever they want and they just run from him. It's like they're, they're speeding on the cross. They're treating the cross and the grace of God like nothing. Don't do that today. If today you need to recognize Jesus as your Lord, please do. And say, Lord, Jesus, I'm not perfect. And thank God you don't need to be perfect to get to heaven. Thank God that he doesn't expect us from us to be perfect, but he expects us from us. What we declare with our mouth will have evidence in our lives to say, I'm not perfect, but I'm walking there. I might not be there yet and will not be there until we are in his presence. But your family, our job is to be moving in that direction. Keep moving in that direction. And keep reaching people. Share the gospel with your friends, with your family. And if you need to talk, what I'm saying is that they need to see Christ in your actions. Right now, I would like, just if, just out of respect, please just close your eyes and bow your head as we are getting with this done. You need to confess that Jesus is the Lord. You need to believe that he is the Lord and he resurrected from the dead. But these words, church, out of the Greek, they're not just like, okay, one time only. If you confess one time, if you believe one time, that's it. They're a lifestyle. What, in the book of Romans, the big words that we have right there, they're trying to say, you know what, it's not something that you do in church one night. It's not something that you only believe in your heart one time. It's something that you have inside of you. It's something that needs to be in you all the time. You need to confess all the time that Jesus is your Lord. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of the good news of Jesus. Do not be ashamed that when you speak, what well, you know it's truth. This world, 
needs to know the truth. And you have that. You have the truth and his name is Jesus. And if you keep being quiet about that truth, many people will get lost. If you have the opportunity, the word confess right here is also say not to deny. If you deny with your actions, you're not confessing Christ. So that's what I want you to do as you're living this building. Confess Jesus as the Lord in your daily life. Believe that he was resurrected from the death. Speak the name of the Lord with your co-workers, with your family, with your friends, with the one who are lost. And the other thing that I would like for you to do is destroy the other idols in your life. Maybe it's your friend. Maybe it's your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Maybe it's, I don't know, your boss. The other lords that you might have in your life, the ones who are directing your life. You can only have one Lord and his name is Jesus. And if today you know that he's not the Lord of your life. If today you know that you need to receive him. You need to have Jesus as your lawyer in front of the judge, the judgment of God. He's the one who can defend your case. You don't want to face God by yourself. You don't want to face God with your good actions. You need Jesus. But as you do that, he will help you to change your life. He will help you to bring more people to church. He will help you to be an example wherever you are. So if today you know that you need Jesus, if today you know that he needs to be the Lord of your life, the confession that Romans is talking to us, church family, it's a confession that we can live. But it's something that we, can, that we need to do public. It's something that we need to say, you know what, in my work, I will confess that I'm a Christian. In my family, in my house, wherever I'm at, I need to confess and be a public statement that I believe Jesus as my Lord. So if today you know that you need Jesus and you haven't lived with him in your life, Please do not leave this building. Do not leave this church without him. He is the one who can change your life. He is the one who can give you heaven and remove you from hell. He is the only one. So today, if you're online also, sorry that I didn't say hi to you. If you're, to the, if you're online watching this and if you know Jesus, you know that you know Jesus in your life as the Lord. You need to believe in your heart. You need to receive him as the Lord of your life. Listen, church, he cannot be your savior if he's not your Lord first. So today, let's pray together. Today, let's say, you know what? I need Jesus. I want him to be the Lord of my life. In the count of three, I'm going to ask you, just raise your hand and say, make a public statement. I believe. And also, I will be a public statement as I leave this building that I believe in Jesus. So in the count of three, just raise your hand and say, it's me. One, two, three. Just say, it's me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray right now. And just pray with me this prayer and mean it in your heart. And as you remember this service, keep seeking God. Keep putting his name on your life. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Today, I recognize you 
as my Lord and Savior. Please help me to be a public statement that you are my Lord, that I have you in my life. Father, thank you. Because when I was lost, you came to look for me. Now help me to be your hands, to be your feet, to go and look for my little brother, the ones who are lost, and bring them to you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray all this. Amen. As you are with your eyes closed, with your head bowed, let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we need you. I pray for your church, the one who you promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Father, I pray that as they speak your name, Jesus, in their work, you will give them grace. I pray, Father God, as they're being a witness, wherever they go, Father, you will fill them with your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray as you wake us up, Father, and help us to be a spoken word, Father, of your goodness, your mercy, and your love, you fill us full with your presence. Father, in Jesus' almighty name, I pray for your church. Please help us, guide us, teach us. Fill us full, Father, with the mission to bring more to the kingdom. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for them. Amen and amen. God bless you, church family. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com. Dot com.